Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. It is great to welcome you back to another episode of Channel Journeys. Thank you for listening. Well, we're into the third month of summer here. It's going by way too fast. First half is behind us, and we're tweaking our channel programs and tactics to achieve our second half goals. Lots of other things going on. Well, Tour de France is in the books. I love watching the tour. It was a great one this year. I am back on the bike training for two big century rides in the fall. I also want to thank our sponsor. Shout out to Magentrix. They are the experts in helping their clients build feature-rich PRMs in record time. With Magentrix, you can have a powerful PRM system to manage and monitor partner performance and, and a lot of other things. You know, channel success, it requires being easy to work with. And Magentrix allows you to simplify enabling and rewarding your partners offering all the key elements that you need in your partner program right out of the box. So you can check them out at Magentrix.com. And at the end of the show, I'll tell you about a special offer for Channel Journeys listeners. All right, well, let's get on with today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Lana King. She is the VP of Partner Programs, Training, and Enablement at MyTel. She is one of CRN's Women in the Channel, been recognized there. And MyTel, they have a robust partner community. But believe it or not, they have they still have partners who have not yet adopted the cloud as their business strategy. And you're going to learn today why some partners are hesitant to make that shift to the cloud and how Mitel is helping their partners adopt cloud business model and really promoting and advocating that through their partner program. You're also going to find out how Lana gets her kicks literally outside the channel. It's pretty cool. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Lana, good afternoon, and welcome to Channel Journeys. Great to have you on the show today. Hi there. Excited to be here, Rob. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's great to meet you. It's it's always surprising, you know, the channel's pretty small, but I'm, it's so fun to meet new people in the channel that I have not yet met before, and I'm sure we have a lot of channel friends in common. Totally agree. I'm surprised our paths have not crossed, and I'm glad that they have finally done that. Yeah, and I hopefully they will a lot after this. So, Lana, you are the head of partner programs, training, and enablement. Sounds like you wear a lot of hats there at Mitel. Indeed, I do a lot of hats and a lot of fun hats. So it's super exciting and a lot of great, exciting things that we do within my team. So, in those three areas, do you have one concentration, or is it you're just every day you're kind of engaged in all three? Yeah, it's, you know, it's every day engaged in all three, which makes a lot of sense. And it's why those three areas are together. There's a lot of collaboration that we do across the three groups. And you have a a newer program that we're going to talk about. Were you the architect of that program? Yeah, I joined Mitel about three and a half years ago, and the program was under development as I joined. And since then, we've evolved the program. So the latest enhancements Yes, we are the architects. I'm the architect of what we've recently introduced. Excellent. Well, I I read your press release, and that's what really got me interested in talking with you about what you guys are doing. And you talked a lot about cloud adoption. And of course, COVID and all of that has even accelerated cloud adoption. I think it said like 75% or 70% of the organizations have adopted the cloud, but there's still these laggards, these people that are hesitant, these organizations that are hesitant. And are you looking at both 
and customer organizations that are hesitant to go to the cloud as well as partners themselves? Absolutely. It's, you know, it takes, it takes two and it takes the customer need, which we certainly have seen as a result of COVID. And of course, our partners and our partners, those that had been hesitant, we've introduced some new elements and some new capabilities for them to help motivate them and certainly get them excited about taking their customers to the cloud. Okay, great. So before we get into that meaty topic, tell me a little bit more about your partner community. Who are the Mitel partners that are out there? We have a pretty robust partner community. Obviously, we're a global organization. And so we have partners around the world comprised of your traditional value-added reseller, your solution provider. We have, obviously, we have some distribution partners, so they're part of our overall community. We also have master agents supporting our UCAS go-to-market motions, and we have agents. In addition, we have service providers, MSPs. So our community is very robust and, you know, really crosses the the gamut of the type of partners that I've experienced in my career. And so with those different types of partners, are some resellers doing deals on their paper and some are more agents where they're the customers subscribing directly with Mitel? Yes. So we do have both. So there is a traditional more of a service provider or wholesale type offering that's available. And then we also have agents that are doing it on Mitel's paper. Are you trying to push business one way or the other, or do you want to continue both streams? We'll continue with both streams. It's two very distinct needs, both from a customer perspective, as well as from the partner's perspective. Okay. What's what dictates that from a customer perspective? Is it kind of the relationships that they have? What type of partners or agents they're working with? Yeah, I think absolutely. It is not only the types of relationships that they have, but how perhaps deeply they want a solution managed. So let's say it's a managed service provider type situation. The customer may choose to have and desire that. And in other cases, it might be specific to the overall relationship. Right, right. Okay. And I saw in one of the uh, press releases talking about how Mitel is partner-led. What what does that, that means different things to different people. What does that mean in your organization? It does mean different things. So, you know, we are pretty committed to our partner first motion and the very significant majority of our business goes through partners, which is one of the reasons that we're really committed to what I would call, and I'm air quoting partner first. And that for us means that We engage with our partners. We have regular partner advisory councils. We have pilots where we develop and listen to our partners, listen to their needs, respond to that, and come out with new go-to-market motions, new offerings, et cetera, to satisfy the needs of our partners. You know, it it is a business and it is a partnership. So that is a lot of mutual conversations and respect that goes out with our partner community. So you mentioned... The, the partner advisory councils, that was a topic that just came up in my last interview with Balaji. And I'm curious, how do you structure your councils? Are they geo-based by partner type? How, do, how did you guys decide to put that together? Really good question. We Last year was tough from a council perspective. And so as opposed to holding really formal councils, last year was a, a lot less council focused and a lot more one-to-one, more much, much more intimate discussions. So we are our typical councils. They are focused by partner type. So we have a traditional value-added reseller or partner type council. We also have a distribution council that really has a lot of focus internationally, given the number of distributors that we have internationally, as well as a master agent advisory council. So that's how ours are organized. 
And as we consider our traditional partners, we have it organized by regions. We have an America's council as well as an international council. Okay. So you have a lot of different councils. We, indeed we do. I would say, you know, if we just add it all up together, there are five to six and it's super valuable for us to get that feedback and input. And oftentimes we'll bring them together for some very core strategic updates and then split out really for those deep dive council discussions. One of the most valuable things is you likely have covered in your recent podcast is having the opportunity to check the strategy, to get that feedback from our partners on on the roadmap, on overall go-to-market motions, what they're hearing from their customers. Yeah. How many partners do you guys have globally? Are we talking hundreds or thousands? We're talking thousands. Okay. So you've got a... Yeah, I thought that would be the case. You've got a lot to work with. Okay. Um, we've got in the hundreds and we're we're in the process of putting together an advisory council. That's why I was sidetracking and kind of curious about that topic. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about cloud adoption. What what do you think is cause it seems like such a no-brainer at this stage of the game, right? Why are there still organizations, customers, and partners who are so hesitant still to adopt the cloud? Well, customers, it's certainly understandable as we consider specific types of customers, whether it's in, you know, whether it's something that is government or restricted, whether it is healthcare. It could vary specifically, and what we've seen is it's industry-specific, and it's the ability to ensure that everything, all of the business needs that they have can be satisfied by the cloud. And so I think it's, we are seeing, certainly as a result of the pandemic, some of those barriers and some of those hurdles knocked down. And I'm really eager to to see how that evolves as we get out of this global pandemic, you know, fingers crossed that we get out more rapidly. And I'm interested to see how that shifts. Certainly what we've heard a lot of as we consider people returning, going back to work is the desire for the employees to have a little bit more flexible work-life situation and have the opportunity to work from home more, which in many situations and many cases for organizations is going to mean they're going to need to continue to invest in their cloud solutions. So from a customer perspective, you know, the, the, I wouldn't call it an advantage or a benefit of certainly what we've recently been through, but it certainly is an outcome of that and having the need to to have solutions that are a little bit more flexible than some companies have had in the past. And so they've had to be a little bit more bold in their deployment options to satisfy and to keep their businesses running. From the partner's perspective, you know, going back and being specific, why might partners not be as ready to adopt and make that shift to the cloud? Many of them, it what we have seen in our discussions with them, there has been some concern over giving up, if you will, the relationship with the customer. A lot of the cloud solutions, typically what that means, as we talked about earlier, is they're now transitioning and signing paper with the vendor. So in that situation, many partners have been hesitant to transition. They don't want to give up that relationship. They want to be the ones to provide the support, to provide that activation experience and post-sales support and continue to keep the health and life cycle of that customer in place. That goes to the heart of your program, doesn't it? In terms of what you actually want the partner to do and what you're trying to encourage the partner to do with your new program. Absolutely, it does. And 
with the program and what we've recently introduced, specifically, we call it partner managed. And what this has introduced, it gives the partner the opportunity to do what they do best. And that is to be the trusted advisor for their customer and to continue to extend their value added services to the customers as they have for years. Now with our solution, they are still signing MyTel paper. However, the partner is taking on the responsibility of the activation, the onboarding. They have the post-sale support relationship. They're responsible for that customer lifecycle management. They'll do the contract renewals, et cetera. Doing the, the actual pricing negotiation with the customer or quoting, is that MyTel or the partner? Or does it just, the partner does it? Okay. So they own, they own that. They own the adoption, everything. They do. They do the quoting. They have access to the quoting tools, access to the tools to support the onboarding. So they are fully in that driver's seat, managing and guiding that relationship with the customer. Yeah. You talk about in the, in the press release about wanting the partners to own the full customer lifecycle. Absolutely. What role does Mitel play or does it depend on kind of the customer size, you know, like a SMB, the partner owns everything and a top strategic account, Mitel's in there with the partner helping them execute. Is that kind of the scenario that you have? Genuinely, partners in this partner-managed go-to-market motion own the entire relationship. And MyTel provides support, and we are there to backstop our partners where they need it, whether it's with quote support, whether it is something within the tool or system from a post-sale support perspective that they may need assistance with, we are here to provide that. We have VIP support to enable our partners to make sure that their customers are satisfied. What does your, your partner team look like? Well, you know, there, there must be a lot of different players in the, in the team and probably an extended team even beyond the, the partner channel organization. So when you say partner team, there are a lot of different elements to that. So we certainly have our channel sales organization. We have our sales engineers. We have support teams. So we have a number of partner teams as we consider partner teams. And then do those all report into the same organization? Lead, rolling up to like the CRO or how is it organized? The majority of the team does roll up to the CRO. However, we do have a separate support organization. So a lot of the teams that support our partners on the post-sale support side roll up into a support organization. And for example, my team, which is really uniquely focused on partners, we roll up and we sit within the marketing organization. Ah, okay. So your partner training and enablement rolls into marketing are you, are you considered like the partner success team too, or is there a separate partner success team? We, I have an individual on my team focused on the overall partner experience. And so it is part of the team. So we have a number of different areas of success, partner success focus. We have another individual that sits within a different piece of the a different side of the business that looks at very specific partners. Okay. So as you look at partners and trying to get them to manage this full uh, customer lifecycle, this is fairly new for a lot of these partners in managing that full you know, lifecycle of the customer? With this specific solution, managing the full customer lifecycle, for many of them, it is new. For other of our partners, partners that have been selling this specific solution, they have been doing this on their own for many years. So this, when we introduced this new go-to-market motion, it was absolutely a no-brainer for them to jump right in both feet because they've been doing this. So they are now, it's formal, it's done. They have the tools and resources they need. They're receiving incremental commissions for taking on this work. So some of our partners had been doing it. And for other partners, it's new and they're pivoting and shifting their business to ensure they're 
staff and their teams are skilled up in cloud solutions, pivoting, learning all of the new tools and satisfying their customers in that way. So it's a blend. So for the new ones, what did you have to do in terms of putting together new enablement and how do you motivate the partners to take all this enablement that's needed at each of these stages of the of the life cycle? You know, first first and foremost, it the partner has to take a look at their business model and look at their their customer base, what is their who are they going after? What's their total addressable market? And if it's an attractive, viable offering and they're looking at their customers and I need to definitely pivot and get them moved to the cloud, then it's a natural transition for them to want to take the enablement. So from a sales perspective, all of our sales enablement is available online, free of charge. We have self-paced, so they're able to go through that. We also have demonstration curriculum that's available and also request and do and have the partners demonstrate back to us to ensure that they are capable able to demonstrate the solution effectively to their customer. And that's part of the sales enablement academy, if you will, to become certified. Okay. So they have to become sales certified. Absolutely. They become sales certified. And then they also have to have individuals that are technically certified. And if we consider the activation and onboarding motions, as well as post-sale support, that's where those aspects of the capabilities come into play. And our technical enablement, it's hands-on instructor-led training, also delivered virtually, but it's a great way for them to have guided learning and really understand the solution and experience. Is that also a, like you have sales certification? Is there a technical or, or delivery certification? Yes. So we have sales certification and technical certification that the partners need to complete. And then once they do that, they can go out and begin this, begin selling and onboarding their customers. Okay. That's very similar to what we executed on at, at OutSystems. And then what about um, customer support kind of Okay, they've they've got the product, they've adopted it, and now you're trying to drive more adoption, expansion. Is that a, is there like a third element, a third stage to this that you're pushing? There is. So, if we think about the overall customer life cycle, the that is a component of both the sales enablement and technical enablement. So, there is a selling motion there for the customer life cycle and ensuring they understand not only the concept of adding new seats, adding new locations, and helping to motivate and stimulate that activity within their customers. But certainly looking at, from a life cycle perspective, the contract renewals, managing that, getting out and ensuring the customer satisfied. And then on the technical side, of course, executing those ads, those moves, those changes as they come up. It's all part of the solution and the curriculum that's developed. How did you align your your partner incentives to this? You know, when you think about the the jar of peanut butter that you have and you got to spread it out across all the different rewards and incentives, are you um, weighting it more heavily on one end of the kind of the sales end versus the technical delivery end? Or, you know, where in the customer lifecycle are you trying to push partners or is it spread just kind of evenly across? It's spread fairly evenly across. And so I'll speak about that in a couple of ways as we consider the first and foremost, the, the commission rates that partners receive. You know, when I mentioned partner first and, and our actions there, we had a very robust pilot period where we got feedback and input, not only on the solution and the tooling, but even on the commission structure, because there is a cost to the sales, to leading the quoting, to onboarding, to post-sales support. So we spent a lot of time with our partners or 
across the states to ensure that we had a good understanding of their business model of their cost investment. So we spent that. So from that perspective, that is how we didn't develop that. Um, certainly having additional commissions are attractive, but there also is a business decision that partners need to make to step into this go-to-market motion and any new business, right? There are costs associated with taking on post-sale support, for example. As we consider the motivation and incentive to drive, so once they're onboarded, what are we focused on? It is balanced. So we have quarterly incentives. Right now, given this is a net new go-to-market motion, the majority of that is on leading and generating new business. However, certainly as customers are coming up for renewal, retention is will evolve and that will become a component of that. Post-sale support is kind of a table stakes, if you will. So you absolutely need to deliver and satisfy the post-sale support experience for your customer. So it it's balanced. And certainly given where we are with the with the current solution and the offering and the time to market, there's a little bit of focus right now from an incentive perspective on growth. So you have commissions and then those other incentives, are those also commissions or do you use any type of like points-based reward program? So great question. It's, it's a combination. So there are some other incentives that are commission focused. Holistically for our global partner program, we do use a point-based system and we use a point-based system which is slightly different than the standard or traditional revenue. So to be a platinum partner, you need to be a $5 million partner. And we introduced this point-based system many years ago, and it was done to really help drive and motivate and incent partners to adopt cloud. So by using a point-based system, we have an allocation, X number of on-site equals X number of points, cloud bookings, they equal a certain amount of points. So having a point system gives us the ability to have a single metric to enable partners to progress through the program. Additionally, as you alluded, we can give more weighting to cloud solutions. We've also recently, from a point perspective, introduced strategic points for partners that have gone above and beyond in their training. So we talked a little bit about sales and technical enablement. All of our solutions require sales and technical enablement and training. So partners need to be certified to sell. However, achieving the bare minimum for your program level from a training perspective certainly will get you the ability to sell and maybe you can achieve that program level. But what we found is partners that have additional individuals that have gone above and beyond, they are actually performing well, not only selling more, but satisfying their customers at better more rapidly. And so with that, we're now rewarding partners that go above and beyond for training. Those points, do those um, qualify the partners for higher tiers or are they also related to um, actual cash rewards or prizes or whatever that they could get? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, we talk about points and you think of like partner rewards type point system. The points I'm referring to, and thanks for clarifying that, really do refer to progression through the program. So as we consider for us, we have authorized silver, gold, and platinum partners. How partners progress through the program is by achieving a certain amount of points, as well as achieving a certain amount of competencies. So from a basic structure perspective, that's how the program's organized. We do have separately different types of point systems that partners can do, which is a little less global partner program focused and a little more focused on specific transactions. That would be like, could those be individual like spiffs and rewards, that type of thing? 
What what are some of the biggest challenges you've you've seen in in rolling this out and getting these partners to adopt the program, manage full lifecycle, and adopt the cloud? You know, some of the biggest challenges have been for those partners where this is net new, just the time and getting comfortable with the tools and systems. And we've, as a result of that, again, partner first thinking, listened to and responded to our partners and developed new tools and resources, videos to help them, to help support them in that overall adoption, if you will. Additionally, as we consider just some of the challenges you know, I it, the partners that have stepped into this new go-to-market motion have really adopted it and embraced it. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that there are a significant amount of challenges that I can think of with this new go-to-market motion. We It's new. And with that, we have regular cohort sessions where we get feedback from partners weekly. So every week we hold sessions with cohorts of partners to that have been introduced to the program in certain stages. So we have our first cohort group, then our second, because they're all similarly situated. So certainly the the challenges that were seen up front by those partners, we listened, we adapted. Continuous improvement is always the theme of everything we do within the program. So we've made tweaks and adjustments. So I think that is one of the key things. The other is, you know, just supporting the needs of our partners and ensuring with the increased demand that we are able to satisfy just the onboarding, everything that they need. Right, right. There's something else about certification I wanted to ask you about um, looking at my notes. Um, You have a new customer lifecycle engagement certification. Is that rolled out yet or is that coming? Yes, it is still coming. I am... I had a call with my team on that today. It's still coming under development. Super excited about this new certification. And this is not something, Rob, that's new for our partners. They are doing this. They are engaged with their customers. This certification is a great opportunity for us to just continue for those partners that may be new, that those partners that may be new into really looking after that customer lifecycle management, where do I engage? Once I've landed the opportunity, how am I going to go out there and expand? How am I going to grow the customer and ensure that I am out there? There are a lot of competitors, a lot of new competitors in the marketplace. And what we are seeing and what the market has seen is customers are out doing their own research this is really designed to help our partners and make sure they're connected with their customers, understand where their customers are in the various life cycle, what they can do to engage with their customers and ensure they're continuing to, to be that trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. And that's a partner level certification, not an individual. It is an individual certification. So individuals within the organization, absolutely, they would go out and they would be they would take modules, they would participate in various levels of curriculum, and they would be certified. So if you think about the type of person that would do this, it could be a number of people. It could be your sales engineer, it could be a salesperson, a customer success manager. So there are going to be relevant elements for all of those different types of individuals. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. What are some of the, the KPIs, metrics that you want to measure You know, as you're tracking the success of this new program? Have you got that sorted out yet? We do. So, you know, first and foremost, it's overall performance, right? So whether that's on-site solutions that are being sold, whether it's cloud solutions that are being sold, certainly customer retention and number of active seats, that's a very relevant metric. 
training. Obviously, competencies are critical to the success of any organization, so we will continue to measure training. We also take a look at and will be one of the critical things that's very valuable is just customer satisfaction in general. How satisfied are customers and just the overall, you know, we talked about retention, which is a key customer status, key driver of retention. Interesting. Is there anything about this that I haven't asked you that you wanted to mention? If not, I asked really good questions. You asked great questions. And, you know, one of the things that certainly is an opportunity for, for us and our partners, we have a, is migration of our current current base. It's a great opportunity for our partners. So that is certainly something that our partners are very keen to do. And it's a great opportunity. So we look at and consider the total addressable market. Migrating from on, an on-prem solution to the cloud. Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good, good. Well, then at this stage, I'd love to learn more about your channel journey, which is why I named this channel journeys, because I love hearing about how you got into the channel. I looked a little bit at your your profile. You've had a lot of different channel roles with some big name brand companies, went to Texas State University. But like most of, most of us, you didn't, I don't imagine you thought about channels when you were at college. I did not think about channels. In fact, I don't even think I knew really what a channel was in college. And I did not, no. Yeah, I did not. You know, fortunately for my kids, they do. They are both, one's out of college, one is still in. They now know what channel is and they're super, it's a great thing for anyone to know because it's a great dynamic piece of the industry, in my opinion. I love the channel. I've been in it for many, many years and I'm pretty passionate about the channel. I joined a company called Polycom, now Poly, back in, goodness, I think it was 2005. And that was my first entrance into the channel community and really looked after programs, specifically marketing programs. And then that evolved and introduced a partner program. And so I was there for many years and then left to, had a very short stint at a company called Mobile Iron, mobile device management, had a kind of a strategy shift and focused on carriers. So it was recruited by Lenovo, went there to lead their data center partner program. Super interesting, fun piece of the business. They were very distribution led and just a great, great team. And they do some super cool things over there with their channel. And then was recruited to come over to Mitel and have been here having a great time leading the global partner program. And, you know, recently the sales enablement and technical training teams are fairly new to my organization within about the last year and a half. So it's been a great addition. I've had sales enablement in prior roles. It's very nice fit with the global partner program, given how critical partners are to our overall business. So it's been great to have the two sales and technical, the training teams together, just the collaboration, just the utilization of resources across the team. So it's been really powerful. Yeah, very nice. And are you getting out and meeting with partners yet? Is that coming back yet? It is coming back. Personally, I have not yet. Not for any reason other than we've just began getting back in the last month or so. So I'm super, super excited to get back out on the road and spend some time with partners to have some more events. And yeah, I miss I miss being face to face with people. I, I enjoy my pets, but it'll be nice to get back out there. <laughs> Yeah, I've met a few that are here in town in in Alpharetta, Georgia. So we go out for lunch. I mean, but even that is just 
it's so nice just to get back out. And I've got some teammates here and I've done a couple business trips heading back up to Boston next month. So it's, it's slowly coming back. It's, it's really nice. It is so nice. Good for you. I love to hear that. All right. So outside of the channel, you've got a pretty interesting hobby that caught my attention. I do. I lead cardio kickboxing classes. So I am somewhat of a fitness enthusiast and I've been leading cardio kickboxing classes for quite some time, but I get up at five o'clock in the morning and go lead classes from five 30 to six 30, two days a week. You're an early bird. Yeah, I am an early bird. It's the time. It's when I can get it in, you know, to get that workout in. But yes, I'm a fitness enthusiast. Love my cardio kickboxing people and just the energy that you get with that. And, you know, not going to lie, it can get a little aggression out too. It's nice to punch something every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you work out that channel conflict. <laughs> that That's exactly right. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's, that's a great, I've, I've, I've never obviously done cardio kickboxing, but uh, cycling is my sport. That's my get out. And I don't know if I work off my aggression so much, but it's just great to get outside and get exercise. Get the adrenaline going. Do you do spin too, or just cycling out on the road? Yeah. I used to do some spinning and I would get up at five in the morning and I just don't <laughs> I'm not quite that motivated for some reason now, um, but I do a lot of road road biking and uh, have, have a lot of, there are a lot of great cycle clubs here in the area that I go ride with. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Which is great just from a social perspective. I love it. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have any other hobbies? I, my other hobbies include, you know, some of the dorky things like reading, music, listening to live bands. So they're, they are those kinds of hobbies. I don't, I don't have any art hobbies specifically. I don't create anything. So those are, those are the rest of my hobbies. I gave all my art genes to my daughter. She has all the artistic talent because I have none. I feel you. I, you know, I passed on my love of music to my children and they also are musical. So they play musical instruments. One of them is at sing. So it is, I feel you with the, what we pass on to our kids and what we don't. Well, any, uh, as we wrap up, any advice to the audience, you know, as they're looking to execute on this, this type of program, you know, really paying attention. I think it's super important paying attention to that full customer life cycle. And so many of our earlier programs were really sales, you know, early stage focused and not so much about the latter stages, which in today's cloud and SaaS environment are, are critical. Absolutely. You know, my, my advice is in addition to what you just said, because I, it is very critical. And we, we assume, you know, once we have a customer, there'll be a customer for life. Gone are those days. It is, while not easy to change providers, it certainly isn't as difficult as perhaps years ago it used to be with the rip and replace kind of concept. So ensuring that you stay connected with the customer is absolutely critical. As we consider just the overall advice for introducing new programs, soliciting partner feedback, and even customer feedback, if it's relevant for your program specifically, very valuable. It is all too easy to have great ideas to attend a conference and to hear what other companies are doing and think it's cool and just to go execute. But sometimes it's not a right fit. So getting that feedback from partners and adapting and listening is absolutely critical to to having an effective program that will do well and serve your organization well. Yeah, great advice. That's something we're trying to do more and more of. It's super important. Absolutely. Well, Anna, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing your program. Uh, best of luck with it. I'm sure you'll have huge success. Thank you. 
Excellent. Rob, well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, guys, there you have it. Another great chance to learn from a channel pro, Lana. Thank you so much for sharing all the great work you guys are doing at Mitel. That's my first interview with a kickboxer. Very cool. And I love Mitel's partner managed program that keeps the partner in control of the customer. They can still own the relationship, even though the software subscription is sold on Mitel's paper. Definitely something to look at. And they're providing the sales and technical enablement and incentives for partners to own that full customer lifecycle. You'll find show notes from today's episode at channeljourneys.com forward slash CJ74. Be sure to subscribe while you're there. And okay, here's that special offer on Magentrix. Check out Magentrix at Magentrix.com. Reach out to Paul Bird on LinkedIn. He's been on the show a couple times. And if you decide to try them out, you can receive two months free on an annual contract by using the discount code SPEEPOD21 when you sign up. All right, go out and enjoy the rest of the summer. And if you're south of the equator, fear not, spring will be here soon. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.